0: go back to the first couple of verses that Matt read earlier I think they'll be helpful for us to have our mind in the right frame of thinking Paul says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect what great words these two verses are one certainly to commit to memory and to live out in expression of truth father help us to do that fully help us to understand well what you have from these passages these verses that we might apply to our living that our living might be like that of Christ holy and acceptable to you. We thank you for his sacrifice that makes us holy and acceptable. We thank you, Lord, that you give us empowerment that we might worship you reasonably in our service. We pray that you find us more faithful today when we walk out of this place than when we entered. Transform us, I pray, by the reading and the hearing of your word. Amen. I just want to take this passage and pull out some phrases like what you're seeing right there at the first of of that chapter Paul is making an appeal to us let's just think about what the appeal is he is appealing that we would live our lives sacrificially unto Christ and unto one another and at the end of the chapter or the end of the section that we're reading today he will give us very specific ways that we might consider doing that so we live our life as a living sacrifice. God is not asking you to lay down your life unto death. Christ has already done that. And when Christ accomplished that, it was finished. All sacrifices were forever done away with. There is no sacrificing more of animals because Christ himself is the high priest that offered himself as that sacrifice for our sin. And he is so complete and so thorough in that it is forever done after the sacrifice of christ and the resurrection of our lord the ascension to the right hand of the father he sat down where he has been ruling and reigning ever since there's no more death sacrifices but there is an appeal that we would be a living sacrifice and that our life would be committed to christ as christ was committed to us and that that living would be holy and acceptable i don't know about you uh, but i at the conclusion of every day never put my head to the pillow and say today lord holy and acceptable i fall short of that but in christ jesus i am made holy and in christ jesus i am acceptable to god no matter who you are that is the gospel message that is the good news that in christ you can be declared holy and you can be made acceptable he can take away all of your sin and impute in you his righteousness and thereby declare you to be forever different Now, because he has done that, because he has made me and you who are in faith in Christ holy and acceptable, this is the way we want to live. And so he is appealing to us to lay our lives down as living sacrifices in a way that is holy and acceptable. In other words, the nature in which Christ has died and resurrected to give to you, live out the expression of that nature. Be determined to do so in a holy and acceptable way through Jesus Christ. But now look at the orientation of this. He says, I'm appealing to you by the mercies of God. Now, obviously, God is a merciful God. He is a just God, but he is also a merciful God. And I think that if you and I would understand the mercies of God, the direction of our life and the destinations would be rightly oriented. If we really committed to the mercies of God, we contemplated that, we think about that, we live out out of that orientation so what is this orientation of the mercies of god you're not going to find any greater expression than the mercy of god than when christ jesus is on the cross of calvary the one who knew no sin became sin how did he become sin he took on our sin he became sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God in him so there's no way that I was going to be able to work myself unto acceptability or holiness or righteousness so Christ took that sin from me and gave to me his righteousness he does the same for every person who is trusting in the father who sent his son to do that so these are the mercies of God the mercy of God that is extended to us now when we orient in that way that would mean we would think Lord, my life today ought to be a living sacrifice unto you based on your mercies. In view of the cross of Calvary, how should I think? In view of the cross of Calvary, how should I speak? In view of the cross of Calvary, how should I live my life? What next steps ought I to take? What direction in life should I have? Well, the orientation of the mercies of God will help you make the right decisions. So what are the mercies of God? Well, Paul has been helping us to understand the need for the mercies of God all the way back into chapter 1 of Romans. And by the time we get to chapter 12, it's pretty easy to identify. Let me just run through a few verses with you. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, this is the way we are all born. We're born into unrighteousness. We're born into ungodliness we're born like sheep who act like we have no shepherd and we have no no moral uh, direction in our life but God is the director of our life and God has given us a law but yet we lived in ungodliness and unrighteousness so God's wrath because he is a just God God's wrath is revealed against all of mankind You might be saying, well, hey, when I get to heaven, I think God's going to weigh it out and he's going to see that I did a whole lot of good stuff along with a whole lot of bad stuff. And I think in the end, God's going to say, okay. No, no, what this verse is saying is the wrath of God is already on you. God is not going to decide in the future. God's wrath is already upon us because we walk with ungodliness and unrighteousness. Now you might say, well, gosh, is there any hope? Oh yeah, we've already read. He's going to extend to us mercy. There's great hope in that. But he's helping us to identify the need for our mercy if you go to the next verse god will render to each one according to his works now listen i were talking before the baptism about just life and sin and how christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness and gives us a new way of living with a new nature and i asked her outright hey have you ever lied she said oh yeah you ever stolen anything yeah you ever said some things you shouldn't say yeah you ever wish you had something somebody had even if it meant them not having it oh yeah that's called covetousness God said don't do any of that one day you and I are going to stand before God and we are going to render each one according to his works and that's a big deal because God is absolutely holy and we want to be with him in heaven but how is he going to allow us who are unholy to be in with him who is holy in heaven I tell you how by his mercies he's building the point building the argument for the mercies of god we will go on to that next none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for god all have turned aside together they have become worthless and no one does good no not one man that's everybody in this room including the guy on the platform right now this is this is where all mankind stands let's go on a couple of more we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god god has given his glory by his law and we fall desperately short of that we're we're all sinners and then over in chapter 5 verse 18 therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all now who do you think was the first one to bring trespass into the world adam and as he brought it into the world so everybody has followed suit everybody is condemned as he is condemned because everybody has sinned so one act of righteousness leads to justification the life of men now who do you think is the the one and only who has ever lived righteously Uh, jesus christ so jesus who is righteous can bring justification to all men so this is the plight of all men this is the hope of all men in christ jesus for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous so in the first Adam we all are disobedient we followed suit with Adam just as he disobeyed we have all disobeyed but now in Christ who is completely obedient to the will of the father completely obeyed every law that God ever laid out for mankind to do he was the one who was fully righteous in him we can be made righteous so that has helped us to discover the mercies of God that this is where we were all going towards condemnation but God gave mercy and by sending his own son to take our sin upon himself and to give to us the credit of his own righteousness that we might be made righteous so that's the mercies of God Paul is saying I'm appealing to you To lay your life down as a living sacrifice, live it holy and acceptable, because you have been made holy and acceptable by Christ Jesus. You have been given righteousness. Now live in righteousness and let that righteousness be evident in your serving. So he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So once you understand the mercies of God and you surrender your lives to him, you do so because that is a logical response. Hey, if Jesus is going to do that for me, I'm certainly going to receive it. And if he is going to if he is going to serve me in that way serve his father in that way then i'm going to follow suit and serve him in that way that's a logical response and i think that's what he's going to call us to make denying ourselves isn't easy but it's impossible without the understanding of jesus's self-denial and how he left his throne of glory in order to come and to live righteously but take our sin upon himself I think that's what writers like Isaac Watts has in mind when they write hymns that are just really powerful for us to sing in fact uh, Friday Kay was out of the house for a little bit and this hymn was on my mind because I knew I was going to share it this morning and I was just belting it out in the house by myself Uh, it's a good practice for us to do just to worship to God in private watts writes when i surveyed the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died my riches gain everything that i have i count for loss but poor contempt on all my pride and look at the comparison of that cross in my life man what is my pride and then you sort of have this crescendo building it's it's a big movement that's building in the song uh, i wish we were singing it this morning maybe we will in the next week or so Were the whole realm of nature mine if i owned it all if i had it all That were a present far too small. And then you can hear the sound building, can't you? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So, what Watts is saying, when I think about the mercies of God, this is where I am moved. It demands of me my soul, my life, my all. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Live your life as a living sacrifice. Give it all to Him. Don't hold back. Give it all to Him. So presenting ourselves to God is to yield in total surrender to Him. Not just what we do, but the totality of who we are. No segmenting your life out and say, okay, I'm going to give God this portion. I'm going to do this for Him. No, no. The totality of our living, the expression of our life, the purpose of our life, the very essence of our life is given to Him it's more than here am i lord at your service it's lord here i live for your service it's not something you're going to do for him it's your life with him so by god's mercies through jesus christ we are made new we're made holy we're made acceptable and so in that we present ourselves to him in that reality every day and such service is our spiritual worship Uh, there's different ways translators uh, will write this particular phrase it it actually comes from one word in the Greek New Testament uh, the same word that you and I get our word logic from and so what he is writing in fact if you're reading out of the ESV which I am today uh, there is a footnote to this and if you look at the footnote there's an alternate translation of which talks about the logical expression it's uh, let me see exactly what that says your rational service is the footnote so I appeal to you by the mercies of God present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which makes logical sense that's what he's saying it's an expression of our spiritual worship we've thought through it it makes sense logically it's the way in which we live living a life of total service to christ is a logical response when you recognize the mercies of god and what christ has done for us now if you just work through that those some of those services are listed in the chapter in fact go back to your bible if you will and in chapter 12 i've only read the first couple of verses but if you skip down to verse four you'll see some of the services that are rendered to the church for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function so you you get you get what he's saying if you in totality make up the body of meadowbrook you are all members fingers hands feet heart lungs eyes ears you're all the members of of the body and you all don't have the same function Uh, of course the body has multiple functions with multiple members and we're all supposed to be uh, different in that way but obviously contributing to the whole so he says in verse 5 so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another now catch this here's the way we serve your prominent way of living sacrificially an expression of that sacrifice in serving other people the prominent way in which you do that is with the church Uh, that does not negate our service outside the walls of the church in fact Meadowbrook serves outside the walls of the church constantly we try to do that throughout the week we try to do that throughout the world but this is the strategy God says I want you to serve one another and so he says having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation the one who contributes in generosity the one who leads with zeal the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness and so what he's saying those are some of the ways that the church serves one another God has given us members and you're going to act in this mercy of God by laying your life down as a living sacrifice and you serve each other everybody who is connected to Meadowbrook is a minister everybody is a minister and what he's saying is minister well in the way that God has created you you don't know what your ministry is or you're waiting for somebody to ask you to join the ministry no 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 how has God made you what can you do do it and do it well that's what he's saying if you're a teacher teach well if you're a giver give with generosity if you're an exhorter then live out the exhortation encourage people build them up so do what you have been made to do and do it well but then he says don't be conformed to the world but be transformed so there's a there's a don't and there's a do in here so it's not just about Uh, spiritual things oh I'm going to receive the mercies of God I'm going to present myself as a living sacrifice it's my spiritual worship or my logical response he's saying be active in this don't be conformed but do be transformed don't be conformed to the world but do be transformed and I think what he's suggesting to us is dare to be different Uh, Kay and I say regularly to each other uh, we are weirdos we, we do it in a loving way but we just recognize in, in light of the culture we are weirdos because we are not of this world we are of a different kingdom Amen. And, and so we ought to be given to that don't hold back don't be embarrassed by that think on things above not on the things of the world let your treasure be that which is going to be eternal not which is going to be temporary and burn away don't be conformed to the world, be transformed in Christ. You know, as the culture is degrading and becoming more unhinged, and the realities of God's morals seem to be so disconnected from people, they don't even want there to be an absolute moral standard you and i have to be different we are different we are made different we're made alive in jesus christ and we're going to be radically different from any of that unhinging from god in fact when the world is unhinging from the things of god i want to hold and cling to him all the more he is my hope he's the standard he is the call in my life so say no to the world the ways of the sinfulness of the world including its entertainment and materialism and crassness and degrading morals and say yes to righteousness say yes to the will of god and those things are easily identifiable in the bible so be one who is reading the bible he says don't be conformed to the world but do be transformed by the renewing of your mind what is this transformation the word there in the original language is where we get our word metamorphosis to be metamorphized uh, it is to change uh, I often walk around a lake that we own and some property, and doing it with kids sometimes—my great nephew or my grandson—and we're just looking. We're looking for things that are moving and wiggling, and you know, crawling. It's, it's boys' kind of stuff. And sometimes we'll see tadpoles, and we'll talk about that tadpole and how it's transforming, and it will become one of those frogs that we're going to hear tonight or maybe we see uh, a caterpillar and we talk about the caterpillar and the transformation that's going to take place of that caterpillar it's going to it's going to have wings it goes through a process of metamorphosis right so when we think of this transformation the original word there is like that of metamorphosis and we're thinking about oh you're evolving into something that's not what he's saying here in fact the other times that this word is used in the bible it describes what took place before Peter, James, and John on a mount that was very specific because Christ Jesus was metamorphosed. I think it's metamorphosed, actually. Anyway, he went through a change, a transformation. Now, the transformation was not something brand new. The transformation was the glory that belonged to Christ was suddenly visible. The glory was present in fact the Bible says that his face shone like the sun and his clothes were as bright as light I think what he's saying here is let the glory that Christ has given to you transform you let it be more and more evident that God's glory is in you in fact the Bible speaks of that that you and I would take on more and more and more the glory of God it would be evident in us that God's glory is ever growing brightly in us so you can't have the glory of God brightening in your life while you are being conformed to the world so he says in this living sacrifice of life which is our logical way to worship him don't be like the world, but do be like the glorified Christ. Be transformed in Christ Jesus. So a life of worship and service to God includes focusing on the mercies of God, logically being resolved to worship Him in service, give yourself totally to Him, be transformed by the Spirit of God, be determined to have the right no and the right yes. And what I mean by that is to say to yes to Jesus while saying no to the world is a faith fallacy or to say no to the world and yes to Jesus is a hopeless futility so you're going to have to choose the right way to do this I'm going to say no to the world and yes to Jesus and I'm not going to try to change it around I'm not going to play games with that this is what God calls me to do and then as you're doing that go down to verse 9 this is the way it's expressed in our life so let love be genuine It's not just about you working. It's not just about us serving, but it's out of love. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So Meadowbrook, I pray that we will be known individually and collectively as a church who is serving one another. Maybe you're from another church. Then as you are here, be encouraged to go back to your church and serve well. Lay your life down Monday through Sunday as a living sacrifice unto the Lord be those people who have a reasonable understanding of the mercies of God and out of that reasonable understanding it's logical that today I worship God by serving people by loving them and by uh, doing what Christ has called me and made me to do uniquely today we're setting aside four people for specific service we're setting aside three for deacon ministry Clark Thompson Stephen Holland and Shane Williams and those three men i've grown to love in time and you have as a church as well i'm grateful for their faithful service to christ and in just a moment we're going to lay hands on them which is a distinction in the scripture a model of the scripture which is is communicating that this church sets them aside for that ministry we we believe that god has called them we believe the spirit of god dwells within them and we lay our hands on them and pray over them commissioning them to that which christ has called them to and so i'm encouraged by their faithfulness i'm encouraged their their understanding of their role to be protectors of the unity of the body of christ and to those three i'm just going to mention a few points that uh, i want them to be mindful of number one meadowbrook expects you three men to continue to live your life within the guidelines of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and those are very clear statements about your life you must be purposeful not to compromise the name of Christ nor this church I'm trying to live my life with the power of the spirit with the word as a light to my path so that I do not bring reproach on the name of Jesus or this church I don't want to embarrass Christ now I don't want to embarrass this church And of all of our people that are serving, whether they're in life or whether they're in deacons or committees or whatever, every member of I would ask us to live our life in that way. Don't compromise. You are identified with this faith family. So don't compromise. Hold true to the name of Jesus and hold true to the name of this church and certainly those three deacons, I expect of the utmost of them live the life of servitude live selflessly be willing to lay down your life your desires your wants to the service of the lord and serve this church well be a protector and a promoter of unity at all times pray for this church be the first to pray for this church be the last to get up when you're praying for this church pray for this church and its people Make your life investment in the kingdom of God by seeking to expand the kingdom and by in building up his church. Live generously. Lead this church by sharing your faith and inviting people to come to Meadowbrook. And join every other deacon in this place with a very specific ministry. Do what you have been made to do. God has given you spiritual gifts and talents and abilities and skills. Exercise in them. And build up the faith family here. Your calling as a deacon is not a title position. It is rather a calling of service in the power of God. In fact, your uniform from this day forward will be an apron, and that apron will be put on at all times to serve this church faithfully. And I ask that you would do that. We're also setting aside Hunter Heinzman for the ministry of the gospel as pastor. Uh, hunter as you know is on staff here and i've I've longed for this day for a a good while in fact this was actually scheduled uh, before covid hit Uh, and as we were uh, as covid was unfolding we recognized we were going to have to make some changes so here we are hunter really didn't think he was going to be here this day for the ordination because his wife is soon to deliver their third child Uh, but i was prophetic in saying oh she will be here and so will you (laughs) So at any rate, uh, Hunter, I want you to know that I personally love you. Uh, This church loves you and appreciates you. Uh, You have the wisdom of God, and that is always a beautiful thing to see God's wisdom flourish in a man or a woman. That does not mean that you will be perfect in all things. In fact, you will be far from that, so grow. Part of wisdom is growing from those mistakes. I have grown and I still have much to grow in, but I've just written down a few things that I would say in my life as a minister of the gospel of Christ, as a pastor, here's some challenges that I want you to embrace and maybe together we can embrace them one with another. First of all, your ministry and your service every day starts at 888 Hampton Road South in South South Alabama with your wife and your soon-to-be three children. You serve them You lead them, you teach them, you be faithful to them. And then when you come and go in and out of this place or hospitals or in this community, that service will continue. Do the same things that you do at home and do them well. Be a constant student of the Bible, working towards scholarly knowledge of God's word, but always have a pure heart and a longing for it to impact you personally. Let it shape you let it make your mind be like that of the word of god never allow the processes or the strategies that take place in church life to supersede that of spirit-filled ministry no process and no strategy is going to outweigh spirit-filled ministry let your ministry be based on biblical principles led by the spirit of god develop your preaching and your teaching craft Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering. Teach God's word and teach it well. Guard your heart, protecting the purity and the holiness which Jesus Christ has already made deposit in you. Guard that. He's provided it for you, and it's a cherished gift. Don't give it away. Remember that the devil seeks to kill, steal, and destroy you, your ministry, and the ministry of this church stand firm in his attacks fight against him with good faith and with good strength that the spirit of god will give you powered by the armament of god be more inclined to build the kingdom of god than to be worried about building this church build the kingdom of god and god will build his church make your impact in the kingdom make the name of jesus christ known make his word flourish just communicate it regularly and God will build his church he's perfect at that take in mind that Jesus has given you his mind and with the mind of Christ one sheep one person is important as 99 excitement for God cannot replace an encounter with God your best sermons are only as good as your faithfulness to the text and the hearer's application of the text the rudder of your life is your tongue, so steer well. Your success will not be measured by growing or swelling crowds. It will not be by the buzz or the excitement that is stirring among people or the generous accolades that are going to come, because they will, from men and women. Success will be measured solely by your obedience to the Word of God, the truth that you teach by this power of the Holy Spirit let your success be there and the results up to God as a shepherd of God's flock may I remind you that longevity brings stability plan to stay here a long time and that stability brings security among the flock and when there is security among the flock they settle and as they settle they multiply they reproduce more often So God is calling you to that be that kind of shepherd to bring the stability and the security to this flock carry out your ministry knowing that you're one day going to stand before God himself and you will give an account to every message that you've ever preached every strategy that you ever adopted every ministry that you ever performed and the people that God placed in your care when you're preaching never be fearful for your audience as much as you are of the audience of one who is listening and who will call to account every word spoken. Now, with all that said, there is no greater calling in life than this calling. To be a proclamator of the gospel, to be a servant of God through Jesus Christ to his body, there's no greater honor than being an under-shepherd of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And there's no greater privilege in life than to be a servant of the most high God. I want you to know this church believes in you, this church believes in your call, this church acknowledges God's giftedness in your life and the abilities that he has trusted with you, this church believes in your character, so in a moment we're going to place our hands on you and acknowledge that and we're going to commission you to do what God has appointed you to do from eternity past. Now I'll ask for those men, uh, each of them, to come and just be seated before you, our congregation. And as the next two songs are being sung, uh, we will have uh, the laying on of hands and we will spend time praying over them. It's a great encouragement for them and it's a great understanding for the church family of, of uh, what ministry is to be. Uh, I I don't know how this will time but it might time out well it seemed to in the first service uh, so I wanted to offer this to you during the first song uh, I would invite any of you who are ordained to come and lay hands on these individuals I think at the end of that first song maybe at the beginning of the second song it might carry over a little bit but there will be a lag time and in that lag if there's anybody in this church you're connected to Meadowbrook maybe you've taught some of these maybe you're in life group with some of these maybe you've stood in ministry with some of these men and you you want to pray over them come put your hands on them pray over them and then following that uh, second song we'll have a a joint congregational song as our is our closing now father this is a blessed time we thank you in advance for all that will be communicated in this moment we thank you for these men most of all we thank you for jesus who is indwelling these men by his spirit for the call and the commission we are grateful because to us the church called Meadowbrook you have gifted us through them and we say thank you in the name of Jesus